0: You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Maria. How are we doing, Embassy? How are we doing, Embassy? Well, it's my job to make that a louder scream in the next 35 minutes. Um, Man, it is sweet to see these 17-year-olds leave. I'm going to tell a story that has nothing to do with this sermon, actually, and I did not prepare to tell it. Um, I uh, I made pancakes um, Saturday morning with my kiddos, so three girls. My oldest just walked out that room, or out those doors, and out this room, and I thought to myself, like, man, my little baby's all grown up and going off the wall. Uh, That's Mushu, by the way, in Mulan. Um, Great movie, best Disney movie of all time. And um, my oldest, who just walked out, she's seven, um, wanted to make pancakes but crepes, so I added some water, and then she's trying to, like, flip the crepe on the pan. And, you know, I step in, Dad, and I'm like, you know, check this out. So I grab the pan, right, and do the old flip And this is what I hear, right? And I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old. No, no, I don't. What a, I don't know how old my kids are. Eight, six, four, maybe. Anyway, three delightful girls. And, and I flip this pancake, right? And I hear just a rapturous applause. I mean, like, woo! Dad! And I'm, I'm, I'm jacked, right? I'm excited. So I just keep flipping the pancake. I mean, for like 30 seconds, I'm just like going between the legs. I'm throwing it up. And I'm like, dude, I am freaking awesome right now. And in a couple of years, that won't be the case. That makes me very sad. But right now, I'm just going to eat it up. So anyway, 7 to 10s, love that age. Um, my name is Chris Cook. If you're our guest, glad you're here. I'm the lead pastor here at Embassy. Um, and like Maria said, uh, nobody likes to join old things. We like to join new things. Um, and so there's now now is the best time um, to jump into a city group. They started last week, so I, I couldn't encourage that more. Um, if you've been coming just one Sunday or a bunch of Sundays, but you're really not connected, um, we want to help move people from rows to horseshoes. We think life change happens best in horseshoes uh, when the people of God get around the Word of God and just get together. Um, and so uh, check out those, scan that QR code, um, but we want to help you get connected with Embassy as a, as a people. Um, and, and that segues great to what we're going to talk about this morning as we close out our fifth and final value. Right? Uh, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me talk about why we named Embassy Church, Embassy Church. Um, because on a geopolitical kind of context, um, an embassy, right, is a familiar place in a foreign space. If you ever traveled, maybe lost your passport or whatnot, you've showed up at an embassy and um, maybe you didn't realize this, but what you actually showed up to building-wise wasn't an embassy, it was a chancery. Because the embassy is actually the delegation that, that meets in the chancery. Uh, An embassy is a people, not a place. And so it is with embassy church. It's a, a people, not a place. And it's a people that represent another king and another kingdom, right? That, that fly a different flag that answer to a different authority. And you would expect people like that to be kind of weird. All right. And so we're weird here at embassy. Um, And I've said this every week and I'll say it again. I hope our weird um, is your kind of weird and you really fit here and you love it. And if it's not, um, God bless you. And I hope you find your kind of weird. Um, but we know who we are and we know what God's calling us to. And God's given us a vision as a community of what we want to be about in this city, on that campus, around this world. And so um, our values are what really gonna f- are, are going to flavor that and drive that and enhance that. And so what we're going to look at this morning is our fifth and final value uh, that makes us weird. And it's us being a front porch waving kind of people. Because that's how we talk about our values as, as really an identity. All right, ambassadors are, you know, an identity, um, who we are um, versus just values maybe we put on some movie poster. And so I'm going to say them real fast. If you don't have them written down, you can find them on our website. Um, But ambassadors are gospel-gazing, food-sharing, self-giving, legacy-leaving, front-porch-waving kind of people, okay? Um, And what makes us a front-porch-waving kind of people is that we have an end to the earth ambition. I'm going to unpack this. um, But... um, I want you to grasp the imagery for a second because all those identity pieces, those five are, are images that I want just to like stick in our heads, all right? What does it mean to be a front porch waving kind of person, all right? What it means is we warmly welcome those that God brings to us from around the world, that IU has over 10,000 international students and we make it our mission to welcome them into our community, right? Because God cares about all people, not just us people. Right, and so we're we're front porch waving. Hey, come on! Right, uh, I'm from the south. We love our porches, um, and uh, and we want to welcome people. Right, but it's not just for saying hello. It's for saying goodbye because um, this isn't the case as much yet at Emmaus Church right now. We talk about our our values being actual or aspirational. Um, this one's probably the most aspirational value we have right now, but we are fully committed to making it actual. But we want to be a front porch waving kind of people in the way we say goodbye. Right, there's not just gospel hellos, but there's gospel goodbyes. And if you've ever given gospel good, goodbyes, right, they're hard. You know? And there's a lot of tears there. Right? This is kind of this Acts 20 picture of, of Paul kneeling on the beach with the Ephesian elders and says, man, I'm never going to see your face again and you're not going to see mine. Because you're, you're going after the mission of God. You're letting that drive your future. And it's, it's forcing you to leave family, friends, and familiar." Okay, and so we want to be a front porch waving kind, kind of people, not just in welcoming the world that God brings to us very uniquely in the context he's placed us in this city uh, with that campus, but in, in being the kind of people that, that say goodbye to close friends and family because they're going after the mission of God. All right? So, um, yeah, it, like I said, it's, it's more aspirational right now, but if you stick around Embassy long enough, um, God willing, um, we'll be able to celebrate those kind of things. So, um, Yeah, if you haven't caught on, um, this is going to be a mission sermon, Um, and so I want to frame that up for us. Derek last week did a great job, uh, and if you didn't listen to it, you should, uh, talking about our our fourth value, what it means to be a legacy-leaving kind of people, to have a next-generation focus. Um, This fifth value uh, is meant to, to be held in tension with that fourth one. Okay, that, that college students, we love you and we want to invest in you. And when you go off to wherever you go off, man, we want you to look different than when you showed up and we want you to make an impact for the kingdom of God. But we don't want um, all of our efforts and energy um, to be lost on who's in our foreground. We don't want to miss what's on the horizon line and what God's doing to the ends of the earth. Okay, so a- admittedly, we're to, we're to hold these two values in tension. Um, and this is honestly why... Um, we planted this church. I was a college pastor uh, for years at at LSU, and I was a part of a church that just did some amazing, amazing things, that God did amazing things through, um, sending people to the ends of the earth. Um, Even this week, um, a guy that I was able to disciple, grew up through our college ministry um, as a student, then a leader, and then a resident, um, literally is packing all he owns, getting on a flight, and heading to Southeast Asia to give the next 30 years of his life to an unreached, unengaged people group, where he's going to learn the trade language that's associated with this people group. Then three, four years in, he's going to learn the interior language of the group itself, and he's going to move his life in there. He's going to start a business that he can sustain, that can sustain his ministry, um, and then he's going to probably write him an alphabet, and then he's probably going to translate the whole of the scriptures into their language, God willing share the gospel, God willing to see people come to Christ, God willing raise up elders and deacons and plant a church, and if God would be so gracious in 30 years, leave. Like incredible, incredible. And I was able to be a part of um, just some amazing things that God did at LSU uh, through these, these students coming uh, through our college ministry and through our church. And then I connected with this church in Iowa that was doing similar stuff, um, but was doing it nationally, um, because we kind of went Baton Rouge to the world, and this church in Iowa went aimed to Iowa, to the Midwest, to, you know, now Syracuse and Illinois State and Michigan, the last three churches we planted this year, and I thought, man, it would be awesome to be a part of a church that was both and, not either or, and that could really be a part of what God's doing in our own backyard, but also like, I mean, just all over the world. And so this ambition tied with our fourth um, value of, of, of next generation focus, um, I really want us to hold into tension, okay? Um, and uh, I want it to be a yes and amen kind of thing. So um, yeah, we're gonna talk about missions, but it's, it's more than missions. Uh, I wanna talk about mission, okay? Um, because missions can kind of be this, this, like, um, this kind of buzzword, this term almost that, that deals with those people out there and, and you know, a certain kind of category of Christian. And I think that's just absolutely the wrong way to look at it. Okay. Um, and so I want to talk about ends of the earth, which is definitely going to talk about, um, you know, the unfinished task. Okay. What we have left before us. But I want to talk about ambition. Ambition. I want to talk about your purpose in life. And whether or not it's aligned to God's ultimate purpose. And whether or not you even think of your life that way. I want to talk about ambition in the sense of impulse. Like what gets you up in the morning and gets you going? What gives you the deepest joy and satisfaction and delight in all that you do? Right? So, so I, I don't want to just talk and I hope what you don't hear. I hope you do hear it and you don't, right? I hope you hear, man... More laborers are needed because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But what I hope you hear also is it's not just for them and those people out there. There's a ambition that I think we're called to live with. And when we understand the purposes of God, the missional purposes of God, man, we're more alive than ever. Right? We, we parent our children in a different way. We run our businesses in a different way. We interact with our neighbors in a different way in the most ordinary mundane things of life, we study in a different way because we actually get this, okay? So if you have a Bible, um, turn to Romans 15. Romans 15, if you don't have a Bible, um, you can use your Bible app. But um, Romans 15, I want to look at one paragraph in the second to last chapter of this book um, because it, it, it's a passage that gives us a picture of a person who I think embodies front porch waving, who has ends-of-the-earth ambition, okay? Um, and this person is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary, if you will, that um, the church has ever seen. And Romans, this book, uh, is actually a letter from him to the church in Rome, and it's really his magnum opus, and there's 16 chapters. Uh, and, and the best way I can summarize Romans and give you a little context as you're finding your way there um, is that it's, um, it's a support letter, like, Paul is trying to get to the ends of the earth, and that in his day, right? That's the extremities of the Greco Roman world, which is Spain. Um, and he's trying to ask these fellow Christians in Rome, hey, can you support me? Financially, just from an encouragement standpoint, from prayers, right? You can read this in the rest of chapter 15, um, but it's a long support letter. Um, I've read a lot of support letters. I've never read one this good. Um, you know, usually people put a lot more pictures. This has a lot of great theology, but it's a long support letter of saying, hey, I've aligned my life to the mission of God. Would you do it too? And would you help me along the way? Okay. So I'm going to read for us Romans 15, verses 14 through 21. I want to grab this paragraph. And I just want to point out three quick things about God's missional um, just impulse. Okay. That for us to be a front porch waving kind of people, for us to have ends of the earth ambition, we got to understand. Okay. Um, And I want to talk more about who God is than than who Paul is definitely so uh, don't miss that. But let me read for us Romans fifteen, fourteen through twenty one. Says my brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. So I'll not build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Now, again, um, what we have here in a paragraph and in a person is ends the earth ambition, okay? Um, And again, there's no greater person maybe to look at to really understand, okay, what does it look like to embody this? Because again, the apostle Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, the greatest missionary the church has ever seen, who God used to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, all throughout the Greco-Roman world, okay? So um, this is what I'm going to walk us through, all right? Really clear, God's missional purpose, his missional power, and his missional passion. All right, we're going to see all three of them, but these are necessary to really be the kind of people I think we need to be as a church, these front porch waving kind of people. Um, We got to understand God's missional purpose, God's missional power, and ultimately God's missional passion. All right. So um, look at um, verse 16, really 14 uh, through 16, but verse 16 more specifically, because in the most plain terms, Paul gives us God's mission statement. All right. If you ever want to know what God's about, he writes it right here in a statement, the apostle Paul does. This is God's purpose statement, his mission statement. Okay. God's purpose... Is that the Gentiles, non-Jews, would be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Okay? God is working to the end that those who are not his people would become his people. Right? This is what God has been doing all throughout redemptive history. Okay? Um, We we see this as the divine plot line from Genesis to Revelation. All right? This is what the Bible speaks to. And this is what church history looks back on, but God from the fall working for redemption and restoration, working that those who are not his people would become his people. And Paul is totally aligning his life to that greater plot line, that greater reality, okay? So, God is fulfilling his purpose. God is fulfilling his purpose. That's the reality. The question we should be asking ourselves is how do we align our purpose to fit his? All right, here's a reality. And the question we should be asking ourselves is how do we align our purpose to fit his? Now, this is radically countercultural, okay? What does our culture tell us now? Like, you know, find your purpose, you can define it how you want, like, build your brand. Like, we are just autonomous individuals. And we just do our thing, right? But this is the problem with the world. The the whole world, everyone in it, thinks the world spins and revolves around them. All right? And what we're confronted with when we open the Bible is a greater reality than us. That there is a creator and we are created. That we are contingent. So it would make sense if we are contingent, if we are created, that for us to actually fulfill our purpose, we have to understand ultimate purpose. We have to understand the divine plot line. And we would, we would fail to get the most satisfaction, joy, just delight out of life itself if we didn't align ourselves to what is real and what is ultimate. But that's a very different way of orienting yourself to the world, okay? Um, <clears throat> I'll give a couple examples, right? Every actor in a play has, has, has varying lines, okay? But all of those lines, every little sound bit, it aligns to an overarching plot line, and if you're an actor in a play and you don't understand how your lines fit the larger plot line and you just ad-lib, right, you're, you're going to get fired, right? It's like, what? you know, I thought we could just add this. It's like, no, that's, that's, not part, that's, that's not part of the scene. That doesn't add to the drama of the story. What are you doing, right? Um, if you're in an orchestra, right, every section has, has notes to play, okay? But, like, they, they all fit the larger composite of the piece, okay, Like, you can't just kind of go off willy-nilly. It's like, man, a guitar solo, you know, and you're just ripping on it. And it's like, no, uh, the composer is trying to coordinate all of those notes to make one beautiful symphonic sound. Okay? Does that make sense? And so when you think about reality as it is, um, the Christian message isn't lose your individuality. Man, it's actually to bring that out. But it's to bring that out as it fits in the larger picture. Right, God has unique, uniquely made each and every person sitting in here. He's given you passions and, and interests and, and gifts and skills. And goodness gracious, what I want you to hear this morning is use those to the glory of God. But you've got to understand the ultimate reality of how God's going to get his glory. Which is reconciling his image bearers back to him so that they can actually glorify him with their lives. That's what sin broke that God's trying to put back together. That makes sense. So, I'm not saying that every single person here needs to be a missionary. And if God would be so gracious, I would love for a lot of people in here to be missionaries because we need them. Right? We need people willing to cross cultural and linguistic and geographic barriers to bring the gospel where it's not. All right. So I'm not saying that everybody needs to be a missionary. The point I'm, I'm making out is you can't really understand your part until you understand the bigger play. Do you see what God is doing from Genesis to Revelation? And is that your reality? Or have you bought into some other perverted picture of it that our culture puts forward? Right? Maybe, again, maybe you don't, you don't really think about th- these things. It's like, man, you're getting too philosophical for me, critter. I just kind of like... You know, I just do my thing, you know. I would implore you, where do you fit? Where do you fit and make sense of it? What scriptures tell us is God has a purpose and he's working towards that end. And he will accomplish it. And you can read how it closes out in Revelation. It will end with people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation giving him glory. And a Christian is someone who has conformed their life to that by the grace of God. All right? So we got to understand God's missional purpose. This is what he's doing, okay? What about his missional power? All right? Look at verses 17 on down through 19. The apostle Paul writes this. He says, therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare to say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, by the power of God's spirit. And as a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Lycraeum. I'm probably going to say that wrong like six times. Um, Siri, how do you pronounce that? I don't know. Um, if you're anything like me, man, you can, um, you can look at the, the mission of God and it can be overwhelming. Can't it? Like, let me just give you some numbers real quick. Almost 8 billion people in the world with a B. And that number just almost doesn't compute for us because like, we understand things by association and we don't associate anything with a billion. But like, that is a lot of whatever we're talking about. And we're talking about human beings and souls. 8 billion. Less than half of those have heard and responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Less than half of those are putting their confidence in something less than the perfect sacrifice of Jesus to stand right before God one day. All right? Like the 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 remaining task is enormous, is it not? And it can be almost overwhelming. I think the temptation is, is when we, we see numbers like that, and then you go beyond it, because there's different types of lostness, if you will. There's degrees of it, if you will. Um, if I If I lost my Apple Watch uh, yesterday, but I usually put it in one or two places, that's one thing. If I lost my Apple Watch three months ago, which I did, and I've looked everywhere, that's another thing, right? Like, it's lost. It's really lost, okay? Um, or, Or if I'm in a dark room and I can't see much, but there's a dim light over there and I know where to go, you know... That's one thing. But if, if I'm, I'm in such a dark room, and I always have been, I don't even know what light and darkness is. That's another thing, right? There's degrees of lostness. There's, 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 there's realities of access or inaccess, if that's a word. And so you don't even just look at the five billion in the world today, but you look at, like, you look at Inside that five billion, you have some 4,000 distinct people groups with no witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their language. None. Not a church, not people that they live next to, that they shop next to, that they study next to, that can tell them about the grace of Jesus Christ. Not a, a, a single verse translated of Scripture into their language. Nothing. And it can become overwhelming, can't it? We're just going like. What I love about this paragraph and this picture of the Apostle Paul is he understands God's missional purpose, but he's not overwhelmed by it. Because I would guarantee you the missional task remaining was far greater in Paul's day than it is in ours. But what does the Apostle Paul understand? He understands God's power. Look who he gives credit to in everything that God does through his ministry. God. It's God's power working through him. And Paul's not working for it. He's working out of it. Right? So, so what I want to do is, 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 one, give us complete confidence in what ultimate reality is and what God's purpose is. But then complete confidence that God is going to accomplish his purposes. Yes, he invites you and me into the co-mission to co-labor with him. It's a joint venture, but God is going to bring about his ends for his glory. Right? There should be absolute confidence that comes from that, that, that it doesn't then alleviate our responsibility to play our part, but man, it helps us just play our part. How can Paul make the statement I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium. Like, did did Paul personally share the gospel with every individual and see them come to Christ? Like, how can Paul make that statement geographically? Just go with me. Jerusalem, modern-day Israel, moving up through Lebanon, Syria, modern-day Turkey, Greece, all the way to Albania. Right? So, the, so, what Paul's saying is, man, I proclaimed the gospel from the, the far eastern shores of the Mediterranean to the far eastern shores of the Adriatic. And now I, I want to jump on a boat and just hop, skip, and jump to, to the Italian peninsula. And then I want to jump over to Iberia and share the gospel in Spain. But I have done the work that I need to do in this massive geographic region. Like, how can he say that? And I, I think the only reason he can say that is because he's done what God has called him to do. This is a man who is walking by the Spirit, who each and every day is conforming his life to God's purposes. And he's going, look, <laughs> yes, the task is, is, is large, it's overwhelming, but I've done my part. And he has this confidence about him, this confidence that, that, that I want us to have, right? is not an abdication. He's, he's absolutely, I mean, he goes on three missionary journeys. Um, Over, you know, 30 years, um, just does some amazing things. But he can go, like, my job is done here. I love that. I've fully proclaimed the gospel. I've done my part here. And so I I think, um, man, what I want to encourage us to do is is to look at God's mission. What is God doing? What's ultimate reality? Then look at your life. Listen to your life. Is how Frederick Buechner would put it. Like, What has God done in your life? What experiences do you have? What passions do you have? What skills and, 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 and hopes and dreams? And, and are those conformed right to, to that reality? And then look at your context. What are, what are the needs? What's right around you? And just take a step. Just take a step. Start where you're at. Do what you can. Right? Get what you got because I, I don't want us to hear one of two extremes, which is like, man, that's for those kind of people to go over to those kind of people and right, just kind of like separate ourselves from this missionary call, you know? Or, man, okay, God's purpose is, is this and only this. Because when I look at Paul's life, and this is what's so cool, I think Paul embodied front porch waving his entire life, not just when he's on his three missionary journeys, Right? Sometimes we can read Acts and we, we, just, we don't understand the timeline. Are you tracking with me? We don't understand that, that Acts happened over a protracted period of time. So we're reading about Paul's missionary journeys because that's how Luke's packaging the story. Because he's going, man, let me tell you how the Gospels getting to the ends of the earth. How it's going from Jerusalem to, Ju- to Judea to the ends of the earth, which then is the capital of the ends of the earth, Rome. Right? But, but it's, you know, the story of Acts has happened in its narrative over, over 30-something years. And, and I would argue Paul is a, a front porch waving kind of person. He has ends of the earth ambition in his life at all times, not just when he's on these missionary journeys, right? So it's a, it's a paradigm shift, right? When he's standing up for, for um, just reconciliation between friends, okay? Um, in, in Philemon, right, where he, he's talking to the slave owner and this runaway slave, right? That takes ends of the earth ambition, to stand up and say those hard things and go, welcome him back, not as property, but a brother. Right? Or, or, or he's, he's writing a hard letter to the Corinthian church, going, hey, the thing that you're celebrating of that dude sleeping with that girl who's his mother in law, it shouldn't be. Right? That, there, there's an end to the earth ambition, there's a desire for God's glory there. And Paul's stepping into it and going, man, how do I say what's true in a way that's loving? And there's just all these examples in Paul's life. It's not just when he's, he's doing the missionary thing, and it, it shouldn't be for us. To have ends of the earth ambition isn't just about ends of the earth, it's about ambition. So we've got to understand uh, God's missional purpose, his missional power, but lastly, his missional passion. Look at this, look at Romans 15:20. This is how the paragraph closes and it's so powerful, okay? <laughs> he says this, and this is where that that phrasing into the earth ambition actually comes from, right here in Romans 15:20. He says, "My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation." And he says, "But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand." Now, he, he, he goes from going, man, my job's done to I ain't done yet, right? Like, he, he, sh- he shifts. He's going, I've, I've accomplished my purpose. I've, fulfilled, I've fully preached the gospel here. But he's still dreaming. He's still dreaming. Because what the Apostle Paul gets is that the, the missional passion of God is it's not finished yet. Like, God's passion is to have People from every tribe, every tongue, every language worshiping Him. And that's not just for His glory, though it is. It's for our good. We're actually worshiping what is ultimately true, what is ultimately beautiful, what is ultimately right. And Paul's going, man, <laughs> if God is passionate about His glory, then I need to read this little passage from Isaiah 52 as a promise. So if you have a Bible, keep your finger in Romans 15 and and flip all the way back in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 52. Because this is actually what the Apostle Paul quotes when he says, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. He quotes Isaiah 52 verse 15. Okay? Okay. Because the apostle Paul understands God's missional purpose, his missional power and ultimately his missional passion, he can read the scriptures as they ought to be read, especially here in Isaiah 52 and see this as a promise. I want you to hear it as a promise. Those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. Paul understood what God was doing, that God was on the move and God was going to get to Spain. And Paul said, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Right? Paul rightly understood redemptive history because he was just steeped in the scriptures. And he's reading these promises in Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. And he's going, yeah, I want to align my life with that. See, a promise like this is what ought to empower you to take the gospel, not just across the world, but across the street, across the classroom. It's because God's doing something in our midst by the power of his spirit, that we're called up into something greater than ourselves, that we're in a long lineage of faithful saints who have said, here I am, Lord, use me. If you don't have this confidence, you will never open your mouth to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to evangelize. We tell our college students all the time, if you haven't heard this, you haven't hung around long enough. But, man, when you're on campus, and I'll tell you this uh, as the city side, you need to be looking for those that are looking for you. My confidence when I walk onto that campus, I'm not bringing the gospel here. It's been here for a long time. I'm not doing the heavy lifting. The Spirit's doing it but I'm joining in what he's already doing because I understand God's passion. And and, and what's so powerful about what Paul quotes here, okay, Um, is he quotes the second half of verse 15. And I want you to read the whole verse, okay? Or I'll read it for us, actually. It says this, it says, So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. For they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard. Now, all throughout Isaiah, but especially here in 52, and especially in the chapter that follows, there's a shadowy figure. Who is Isaiah talking about? This is what the Ethiopian eunuch asks Philip in Acts, because he's reading this very, very section of Isaiah, and he goes, who is Isaiah talking about? Clearly, Isaiah is talking about one who is a suffering servant, as 53 says. One who is going to bear our sickness and carry our pains. One who would be struck down by God, pierced for our rebellion, and crushed for our iniquities. What you have to realize is the Apostle Paul encountered this Jesus on the road to Damascus. the Apostle Paul encountered the pierced one. And all these promises became super real to him. And so the reason the Apostle Paul can, can align his life to the mission and purposes of God is because he understands God's mission and purposes to him specifically. He doesn't divorce God's promises in the first part of Isaiah 52 and in the rest of Isaiah 53 from his promises here in Isaiah 52.15. And for some reason, that's the temptation, isn't it? Where we think the gospel comes to us and it's awesome. We're like, yeah, right? Heaven. But like for whatever reason, it just, it it tends to get stuck with us. You are a picture, if you're a Christian, of God's missional passion. Of him getting his glory to the ends of the earth. Because... Last time I checked, this is and isn't, but it is the ends of the earth. This is not Israel. We are not Jews. It is amazing to me that I have to convince Gentiles about the Great Commission. Like, do we understand that we have been grafted into something so much greater than us? And God has invited us into it so we can be more than recipients so that we can be passers on. So that we can be front porch waving kind of people. So let me end with a few points of application. All right, We looked at God's missional purpose, his missional power, his missional passion. I want to I speak to ends of the earth and I want to speak to ambition. Um, ends of the earth, just some questions to ask yourself. If you're taking notes um, as you, I don't know, um, you have car conversations with your spouse leaving here. But, but how are you living in God's alignment, right? God's fulfilling his purpose. That's ultimate reality. Are you aligning your purposes or how are you to fit his? Again, I, I don't want to stay too 30,000 feet. I want to kind of filter this down a little bit for us. But, but part of it is just approach. Right, this is, this is the radical difference between applying the Bible to your life and applying your life to the Bible. Please stop applying the Bible to your life. Please start applying your life to the Bible. You matter, but you're not the point, right? And then how does it affect the way you run your business, the way you, you raise your kids, the way you, you neighbor, right? Are you living out of God's authority God is working in power, are you working from that power are you working for it? Like you have the confidence that God's spirit is in you if you're a Christian and he wants to use you to pass on the good news that you don't have to fix yourself up, clean yourself up and get yourself together to be right before him because Jesus has done it for you. That's amazing, pass it on. Are you living with God's ambition? And this is especially for you college students, man, if I talk about anything with college students, it's, 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 it's about purpose and ambition, right? It's like, what am I doing? And, and, and am, I, am I ambitious for the right things, you know? From a purpose end, I'd say this. There's more to life than just being alive. You got to ask yourself the bigger questions, which Gen Z is terrified to do. Like, just step back. Step back and Think. You're not random. You didn't just combust and show up here. You were created, you're, a creator, you're a contingent. You got to know your creator to know your purpose. And for ambition, is it holy or is it selfish? Do you care who gets the credit? That's a great question for you. Like when you dream about things, do you care who gets the credit? Because if it's really about you getting the credit, then it's probably selfish ambition, not holy ambition. All right, so that's, that's, that's more ends the earth. But, but I want to I go to ambition or I'll, I'll at least stay there. Um, and I want to close with this. Ambition, ambition, to, it's an impulse that I want us to have as a front porch waving kind of people. Okay. It's a willingness to attempt things that most want it, All right. It's a desire to accomplish things that, that most don't have. Again, not for our own glory but for God's. Like Why not? Why not? Like, do we really believe that the God of the universe is present with us by his spirit and working through us to accomplish his purposes? And if so, that should make us distinct. The apostle Paul, again, he went on mission sometime, but he was on mission all the time. And so I want to move us to ask the right kind of questions, and really maybe be a little introspective this week about how we're aligning our purposes to fit God's purpose. And like what's really driving us? What, what, what ambition do we really hold and why? And my hope would be, yeah, that we'd be a people that, that really get this, that it would move from, from aspirational to actual. And powerful things would start to happen in your life. Powerful things would start to happen in the life of your community, your family, your friend groups. Powerful things would start to happen in this city and on that campus. And we'd look back as just fat old men and just beautiful, skinny old women and just go, look what God did. Like, look what God did. Why not us? Why not now? I want us to be that kind of people. So let me pray for us, yeah, that we would, um, would be so. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in the world. And we want to be more and more aligned with it than not. So would you use us? Would you use us? Would you send us across the street? Would you send us across the classroom? Would you send us across the world? Would you make us, yeah, front porch waving kind of people? And would you get all the glory from it. So we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And I pray that we would just be a people that are just so enthralled with the gospel, so delighted in the gospel, so satisfied in the gospel that we couldn't not tell others about it. And it would just change the way we, we live our lives. It would change the trajectory of everything. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.